Welcome to episode three of Field Notes, produced by A Field of Crowns. My name is Andrew Gabry, and today I'm talking with an old friend and a stunning Dora Award-winning actress, Claire Armstrong. When Claire told me she was not only cast in The Crackwalker, but was going to be directed by Judith Thompson at Factory Theatre, a play, a person, and a place we studied almost ten years ago, I couldn't resist. After each of us battling a cold or flu, with a few cancelled attempts under our belts, we finally met at a cafe to talk in-depth last Friday. Claire and I took the same undergrad program at York University, a program all about devised theatre or collective creation. It was exciting to hear that for this show, she was able to return to those rather unconventional roots in the context of a historically traditional naturalist play. The Crackwalker delivers a difficult reality and raw, fierce sense of community. I love listening to this interview as it not only showcases two friends having a good time, but it acts as a welcome reminder of how important the process of staging theatrical plays can and really should be. Sometimes I feel in this world of never-ending advertising, it is easy to forget the journey of a thing, and in this line of work, I feel that may be damaging. The end product isn't always enough, but the journey is not always for others. I'm happy to remember that even the biggest stages, or the most well-known names, don't always function as their polished exteriors may lead you to believe. Behind every piece of theater, there is an entire messy, uncertain, but deliciously exciting journey awaiting the caring and complex interpretation of its players. And beyond that, amongst the cracks, well, that's where we come in. Um, so hey, how's it, how's, how's it going? Hi, it's going well. I'm, I'm returning to the world after a, a week-long flu, which, mm-hmm, which I feel like reminded me of how lonely it can be being sick when you're like no one wants to spend time with me right because i'll give it to them you know does any is anyone gonna bring is me anyone soup? gonna do it is anyone gonna help me <laughs> no it's true and everyone's like oh is there anything i can do for you and you're like well maybe you could come over and, I'm, and they're like no nah, i can't do that <laughs> well i can't really do that but anything else anything else though <laughs> Um, um, how how was how is that um, performing? How has that been? Oh, it's been it's been really interesting actually because mm. luckily because it's a flu and not a cold, it means that like your bot my body's been really tired mm. and my like I've had like aches and pains and stuff, but my throat hasn't been sore, so I still have my voice and I still have like my my nose wasn't too congested, but it was really kind of surreal actually because it's like I could get kind of hopped up on drug med- on, on pain medication on, on like cold and flu meds yeah. and then adrenaline would take over and by the end of the show I usually felt fine yeah. I felt like I was not sick anymore and then I'd get home and about two hours after the show was done I'd feel like I was you know back in, in the ground but it was it was so I was actually pretty pretty okay doing it but the thing that I did notice is that you can't really perceive things as readily so I was sort of able to like do the show as I knew it but I wasn't really aware of like those subtle shifts and stuff that you kind of like to perceive when you're when you're doing a run of a show like oh that scene felt different today or like did you feel how that was different and I couldn't really feel those things I was just like I know what I have to do and I can do it 
but yeah. I wasn't really aware of anything. It totally makes you realize how how much how on you are when you're performing, right? Like it's not yeah. just as simple as saying the lines. I mean, not people in the industry obviously don't think it is, but um, wow, like you were you're so on. It's incredible. You have yeah. to be. And, and, it, and your mind is going sort of a mile a minute and um, yeah. you want it to be so that it can look natural yeah. <laughs> or easy. But it um, makes you realize how perceptible each small shift is in yeah. like in the energy or in how the scene is going that day or like, and I guess it was funny cause I, when I got sick, the thing that, that aggravated me the most was that I was going to miss out on like four or five shows in terms of being able to, feel them changing which I didn't really realize I was looking forward to so much that I was like oh man I don't I don't want to miss almost a whole week of the run being yeah. sick and just doing it by rote right because I I had already begun to feel it in the first week of the run that things were starting to sort of like transform yeah, and it was take so on their cool. own shape right like the life of a show oh, really huh. develops as it goes on yeah. and you really start to find it within those subsequent weeks after opening yeah um, and this show in particular, I feel, is is shifting a lot, in really, even in really subtle ways. But I think it's because the five of us are so, um, I don't know, we just, it feels really connected. There's like a, there's like a collective energy between the five of us. I was, and, and everybody, we've all sort of noted it at a certain point. We've, everyone said, like, it really feels like we're all sort of breathing at the same time. Right. It's bizarre, even like when, I guess because all the all the characters are are like in this revolving world where they're constantly like slipping in and out of like meeting each other and then being alone and then being intensely connected and then alone again. But also, like I think the the actors, the five of us actors, are so um, we really we really love each other, you know, and and we've we've shared a lot of personal experiences in the rehearsal room. So it's like, we seem to know a lot about each other, even though we've only known each other for like a month, basically. Yeah. And we didn't know each other at all before this show. None of, of us you. did. I had wow. met Stevie Jaffe a few times. Like I knew him, but I wasn't, I didn't know much about him, his life. Yeah. But I've heard him sing. <laughs> yeah. He's got yeah. that great band. Birds yeah. of Bellwoods. Um, that's amazing because, uh, as you know, obviously we went to the same program, right? And, uh, mm-hmm. in that program, like it was three years of yeah. Defy's theater. And, and through that, we kind of eventually were able to figure out that, that same sort of mm, vocabulary between each other. Like yeah. The, the, the idea that we're all listening to each other, that we're breathing the same thing, that we're talking the same kind of language. Yeah. And after that sort of like really special encounter of having like three years to deal with that, like sort of unabat, you know, like uninhibited. And afterwards, in in these mm-hmm. month rehearsal processes, you don't it's really hard, run it's into that. It's hard to find that. Yeah, because it's really hard to. It is really hard to. I don't know. Um, you come across that and have that nurtured. That idea uh, of yeah. of collective ensemble work nurtured. Yeah. And I'm I'm wondering if that's um, partly to do with the way that Judith uh, approached the play, right? It is. It it definitely is. Judith was so collaborative. And really, I, th- I think she really established such an open dialogue from the first day of rehearsal. I'm not sure. I don't remember exactly what she said or if she even said anything to the extent, but it was all, I think, I think she, she at least made it very clear and gave us all like the assurance that it was 
and it was an open room where you know she was coming back to this play for the first time in years as a director um, and and as a writer she was also sort of like looking at things anew and and she really wanted us to be integral to that process and she really encouraged us to feel like we were collaborators on it as well which was so amazing and really sort of freed up so much um, supportive and nurturing energy in the room and everyone felt like they could suggest things at any time and okay. she was, yeah she was she was never um, she never shot down an idea or you know was uncomfortable with an idea and if she didn't understand the idea she would ask you to like show what you meant or something you know and it was just like it was so it was probably the most collaborative professional uh, process that I've ever experienced. Do you think that has maybe something to do or like in part of because of the the concept of, of coming back into it without sort of like or rather with tackling the sort of naturalistic yeah. aspects of it and um, embracing that scenic painting that is that is a big part of the, yeah. s- the staging so uh, taking it out of its like by the book staging you know in a in a apartment or whatever like yeah. very natural environments and stuff and like you've got this kind of bare stage yeah and you're you're absolutely right so it was the process was un, unknown to all of us we really right. didn't know how to go about it because like you said we didn't have a set so we didn't have the prescribed process of well let's block scene by scene yeah. so that was sort of all we did have was well we'll start at the beginning and then we'll just go scene by scene. Yeah. And all that we did That's know insane. was that Randy was going to be painting a big circle on the stage. We didn't know what was going to be in the circle yet, okay. because she wanted to she wanted to um, build that concept based on watching us. So she, I think Randy had a, an idea of where she wanted to go, but she hadn't firmed it yet. She really took a lot of input from the rehearsals, um, and she was so perceptive of how we related to each other in the room as well and sort of what the spatial relationships were and then she constructed this big circle and and a few days in she sort of was starting to give us uh, more and more information about what it was going to look like and feel like Um, and from the very beginning on day one we had a a really really uh, clear idea of what the the painting overhead was going to look like and the fact that it was going to be a female body uh, and really, like really visceral. There was going to be. We knew that the belly of the woman was going to be really important to the image. So, Judith, yeah, Judith, sort of, and Judith, and and with Randy there as well. You know, Judith sort of led us through scene by scene, and we kind of constructed the world. You know, we sort of said yeah. that within the circle was kind of where most of the action happened in terms of like the action that was happening between characters in the present, the immediate action. And then we we decided that outside of the circle was sort of like the wasteland kind of like where all of the other things existed, where like the characters would go to have their other thoughts or where like the ghosts kind of lived. Yeah. Um, And that's where Randy sort of uh, put in the, the ice kind of cracking apart and there are some ice flows on the stage that kind of move away from the circle so she really expanded the idea of the of the ice cracking and them sort of being pulled away from each other right yeah that's wonderful um 
it was really it was it was a really physical process too yeah. because um well at first it was really funny because as actors and I can only speak for myself but I really I really felt like just exposed and totally vulnerable without any stuff <laughs> right with no set and no props and so my instinct first was to invent props <laughs> so I at first at first I had like a brush and a, like sure. I had cigarettes and a lighter and I had a bunch of stuff and I was like doing things in the scenes because I was Safety. like well I have to have something to do yeah. with myself <laughs> And then it was like, well, where am I going to put all these things? In my pockets? And I'm wearing like tight, you know, tight bell bottoms. And then it just became clear that we didn't need any of that stuff. Right. But we, I, 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 at the very beginning, I really, I really felt that I needed some of it. And then we just sort of started to pare away more and more things. And Wawate was a really, really huge influence on, on a lot of the staging as well, which was just so incredible and really like invigorating to watch because he he was inventing his blocking like as we went day by day and he was changing and you know Judith would say we'd sort of rehearse a scene and then we and then she would turn to Wawate and say so what do you envision is happening with you in this moment and she would sort of share with him what she sort of felt might be happening with him and because she had expanded his role as the man right. or the crack walker, which is in the script, much m- a much smaller role in terms of lines and stage time. Okay. Um, she wanted to expand his presence and, and have him visible at almost all times. And then it, it sort of emerged that he was going to play all of the other characters that get mentioned in the script, like the, the ghosts that they're sort of all talking about and remembering. And Judith brought in a bunch of masks for him to work with. So it was just like anything goes. Yeah. And and Wawate is so inventive and Judith is so nurturing and, and she's so uh, she's such a yes person that he would say, Well I'm thinking about this and so she would say, Yes, let's 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 try that. Let's see what that looks like. And it was just days of like playing around with things and it was so it was so exciting and really That is really like, exciting to hear that like even a, a script that was done, you know, thirty years ago yeah. that uh, is studied and and performed all over the place. I did a quick Google search and found, or like YouTube search and found like videos of, of universities in the States oh doing my God. it. Like, all like over scenes the world. and stuff. People are doing this all over the place. Yeah. And it's wonderful to be able to, to hear that like the source of it, you know, is still able to create a brand new world out of it. Yeah. And, and, and it and is like a play, to. like you said, it's a play that's often done in a box set, right? Yeah. I mean, you would you you imagine Crackwalker and you would think there's a sofa and there's like a little kitchen yeah. and you know all the things in the apartment. Yeah. But yeah, like you said it's a, it's incredible how in a way how easy it was to do without any of that mm-hmm. and how it informed the relationships and the story in such a different way. And that's interesting to me too because you were talking about um, how the collective, you guys really got along and because you've shared so much in such a short period of time mm-hmm. and we were talking a bit a couple of days ago about how you have shared a lot of personal stories mm-hmm. uh, with each other and I know that the script itself is actually based on a lot of like real stories that you yeah. came into contact with. So um, is there, do you find a sort of ownership in the play, like has has it has um, this staging of it allowed you as like an actor to actually 
have more of an ownership in the actual events that are happening in the play because of this this process that you've been through? Yeah, it, it absolutely has. And it's actually been incredible how far I feel that I have, how much closer I feel that I've come to the character and to the story since day one, even though it's only been a month. But right. I think I really worried leading up to rehearsals that I was totally wrong for this part huh. because I'm, you know, I was raised in Southern Ontario. I am, you know, middle class. I went to a school with French immersion. And so I'm, I'm, I haven't lived through any of the things that, that these people have lived through. And yet they are similar in that, like, you know, they're, it's not, it's not, it doesn't, it's not the same sort of thing as playing a character from 1940 who grew up in Germany. Okay. You know, so the strange thing is, is that they're, they're close enough to us in terms of time period mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, being born in Canada but so different from us because their experiences or from myself, I should say so different from me because their experiences are so, are, are so different from mine growing up. Um, and I, and I, I was trying to figure out how to, how to inhabit the character and how to live in the world that it demands. And the, I think you're absolutely right that what we discussed in the room and what we shared in the room made us all feel that we had more, we had more, um, I should say, I guess I, privilege is the word we had, we had the right, but also the privilege to inhabit those people more because, and find the dignity in the characters. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, because it's one thing to do a show that is, that is set and, and focusing very heavily on a, on, on a lower class, mm -hmm. uh, very specific area in, in the world, and yeah. then like put it on stage and just kind of like be like, hey, look at these people. Yeah. And but that's not what's interesting to really anyone. I think that like the interesting thing about the specificity in Judith choosing, you know, Kingston, this class of person at that time period. Uh, is to highlight the human condition in a way, right? Absolutely. Like, and the fact that we can, in you know, 2013 in Toronto, in like a highly yeah. metropolitan area, actually find relationship with that. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, the the word dignity is exactly the the best word I think to describe how these people live because the, yes, they speak with improper grammar. Uh, they they curse like crazy, you know. But they know that they're doing it. They know. Judith, one of the things that Judith always said is that the it's so important to um, to really inhabit the language properly and to um, and it wasn't at all because she was precious as a playwright. It was more so uh, from a directorial standpoint. She could she could see how much more we sunk into the characters when we spoke the language exactly right, and when we stopped correcting their grammar. I was often <laughs> guilty of correcting Sandy's grammar unintentionally. Sure, yeah. And so, but but they, she said the important thing about these people is that they know that it's I saw yeah. and it's not I seen. But they speak that way because it is who they are, and it's it's sort of a like it's it's a statement to the system, I guess you would call it, or to the yeah. norm, to the 
to what is proper because they've never grown up in a proper way and they they haven't been they've they've sort of been overlooked by society or or abandoned by society they haven't been given the resources and the due um you know the due respect yeah and that's exactly like you said it finding the dignity in them is so important because yes they swear yes they they're vulgar and they make you know they make lewd sexual comments and but there doesn't mean that they have no personal dignity mm-hmm. and they are i think the most the most incredible thing about them which is probably why i feel so close to the other actors is is their loyalty they're so loyal to each other yeah. it's like they're like fiercely ferociously loyal yeah sometimes to a fault but for the most part you know to uh to um uh what's the word to a plus i guess you yes. call it. To an, yeah. yes yeah to a benefit to a benefit and yeah. i mean in the sense that they they have to stick together and mm-hmm. you know you see it in the way that Sandy and Teresa relate to each other and Sandy is so it's not it's not even a sentimental thing i don't even know if they realize it they're just like they are they will never leave each other or you know and yeah it's it's incredible the way that the way that they live and i think and Judith it was so interesting how Judith would would remember something about about one of the characters or sort of the right. person that she based that character on. And because she hasn't revisited the script this in depth in, right. in many years, she, we would ask her, Judith, what, what's this reference to? And she would say, I don't know. I don't know. I, I must've been something at the time. And then she would think for a second and go, Oh yeah, it was this person who told me this story about her friend who, and you know, so she remember, she was yeah. remembering like There's the, an entire the details. There. Yeah. yeah. And some of the things she like, she could picture immediately, you know, we would say they would reference some past character or somebody would say, yeah, one of the characters would say, I was talking to Bonnie Kane or, you know, one of the characters that come up a lot throughout the show. And Judith knows exactly who that person was and who, you know, that she sort of based it on or where the influence came from. And so it was so alive in the room. I mean, that was a huge plus of having the playwright in the room. Right. Everything was so alive. Right. Um, and it sounds uh, sounds wonderful because she. It doesn't sound like she was controlling, right? In that in that no. same way, right? Like of of you have to do it in my way. Exactly. And it's also really exciting what we were talking about uh, again a couple of days ago that this was. This is the first time that an Anishinaabe actress has played yes. that character, right? Yes. It's it's a role that's written for an actor, mm-hmm. and it's never been played by an Aboriginal actor. It's they've, astounding. Yeah. They've often, I think they have, in in previous productions, had uh, an Aboriginal actor play the Crackwalker or the Graham, man. Graham Green. Green? Yes. Uh, yeah, Graham Green did. Yeah. yeah. But having two Aboriginal actors in the play has never happened. Right. And no one's ever played Teresa, who was of Aboriginal descent, which is which is incredible. And and you know, we all, as I'm saying that we all shared a lot of stories. And um, Wawate and Yolanda, in particular, shared a lot of stories that really made me realize how essential it is that Aboriginal actors play those parts because yeah. they're 
you know, it, it informs the characters and the entire world so much. Um, Wawate and Yolanda have, have both lived in a way that is completely different from myself uh, and from, you know, the other actors, uh, well, just based on... Judith. Absolutely, even from Judith. You know, they, they both grew up in northern Ontario uh, in different places. Yolanda's from Thunder Bay and, and Wawate had lived sort of Kenora, um, Winnipeg, sort of on the border of Ontario and, and Manitoba. But they both grew up on and off the reserve. Um, and just they, they've both said a number of times that they, they know these people. Like they lived and grew up yeah. around exactly these people. So for them, it was, it was so, it was incredible how, how, how much that, that made them love the characters in a big way. And that really informed how I interpreted my character as well. And I think finding the love for the character was, was huge in me beginning to inhabit the character properly and feeling that I had the privilege, like I said, to inhabit yeah. the character properly because I was what I was most afraid of was judging the character or making right. a judgment, even unconsciously. So, um, yeah, Wawate, Wawate it, it was actually telling Judith a story um, about these these two rivers that intersected. I think I wasn't actually there for the story, but he was talking about these two rivers and 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 sort of it was a, it was a, a story that was sort of part of of his heritage and uh, he was just sort of telling her about it one day in rehearsal and they were rehearsing this key scene between the man and Alan which has been the same since you know since it was published yeah. and it, it generally portrays the man as kind of um, you know in, in distress and he's he's mumbling and he's incoherent and he's uh, he was possibly on drugs and it, it was so it was a very it was sort of challenging the stereotypical portrayal right. of First Nations yeah. uh, and Aboriginal individuals, especially here in Ontario. Um, and Judith was listening to uh, Wawate tell the story, and and I came into rehearsal about an hour after this happened, and she had rewritten the scene, which has not happened, you know, for thirty years. She hasn't. I don't think she's made many adjustments. She's made small adjustments, maybe, yeah. but she had rewritten the entire scene. And now there is this. Now it's a beautiful scene where he's this man on the street is trying to explain to Alan like these two rivers that are intersecting within Alan, and it's sort of this beautiful metaphor for because Alan is just about to enter into kind of the darkest right. part of his story. Right. And so it's yeah, it's incredible, and and it was just it feels now that the Anishinaabe culture and and sort of worldview is much more incorporated and it, it kind of creates this really powerful undercurrent in yeah. the story that is just like blowing people away i think i was um taking some workshops about sort of uh community engagement uh in november last year mm -hmm. and one of the ones that i was uh, in when that I was attending was dealing with reconciliation in the arts. So, um, yeah, Canada's reconciliation with um, the First Nations groups that and, mm -hmm. and sort of the the respect and, and all of that working with and stuff. And one of the quotes that really stuck with me actually was uh, someone asked, you know, like how would you sort of how would you go about um, br bringing reconciliation forward? Like how would how would how do we start this? And right. the answer by the elder there was just phenomenal. She was like. 
work with us. Talk to us. Just, <gasps> just we're here. <laughs> like, yeah. Just, just talk to us, right? And that seems that story that you were just telling me about um, yeah. Mawate and, and Judith working together. Like that's that's a start. Right? Yeah. And absolutely. even if it's not perfect right now, which um, it might not be, um, because I know that there's there's still some contention around uh, certain aspects of the play and just like representation in general. Like yes. because once you write something, you then put a name on it, right? And once mm-hmm. you direct it, and then it's and then it's there's a, all of, all a question of whose story is it. Um, but this seems, I don't know, it sounds like a really interesting positive step forward in regards to um, not one person taking over the production and saying this yeah. is what the stories are and I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to tell, um, but instead collaborating with a diverse group of people yeah. and having that inform something that is actually quite a, quite a milestone in Canadian history or like theater history. Anyways, it is. Right? Yeah. And it's incredible because there are, there are so many things about the play that are just as relevant as if, as though it were written yesterday. Yeah. Um, but there are some things, I guess, that, you know, from evidently that Judith felt maybe within her or it just sort of, seemed like I think I think I want to change this you know or she there were some things that she just felt were were kind of asking to be looked at again right um yeah it's 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 really incredible it's it's a a, such a powerful show and I and I think there's a part of me that wonders if I could ever see it with a with you know a box set again because because to me it now feels that it I mean I'm sure if you put a a box set in that would that would work but I feel like the role that Wawate inhabits and and sort of this um ever-present character that is now has now been expanded into all the scenes I feel like that is so crucial to the story now um there's a there's a beautiful sort of moment at the end between Wawate and Yolanda where you, and, and you realize it throughout the play, um, possibly, but it's very clear at the end that he also, in fact, in fact, represents the baby. Um, and, you know, if, this is spoiler alert, if, <laughs> if the baby had lived, he may have grown into this beautiful right. man. Uh, and she sort of sees him at the end and they see each other and they have a moment where they finally can touch and hug and recognize mm-hmm. sort of like through the veil, you know, across the worlds. Uh, and she can finally sort of lay his, lay him to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the last moment of the play. And it, and it's, it's just so different from what the, what the, what the play or what the script originally is, what, how the script originally ended. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it, it's it's hugely powerful, and uh, like I said, it, it feels just like there's something much bigger going on um, because of these particular people in this production. You know, like having having this group of people working on it, and everybody being so committed to telling the story in the most truthful and the, trying to tell it in the the most full way possible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Wawate said once, I think in a talk back last week, uh, that 
the Anishinaabe worldview uh, is, is sort of is what he called it, and he said, you know, that in the in his life growing up, he often felt uh, and and was taught about his his relationship to plants, to animals, to all living creatures, to you know the sky and the earth and the and and he said it's it's such an enormous relationship that goes beyond just other people. And he said that's just, you know, something that he he has, has noticed is is maybe different about Western culture. One of the one of the differences about um, just relationships, I suppose. And I feel like there's something like that happening in this play where the where the world feels so big and, and interconnected and, and maybe that's why maybe that's what I mean in a way by we it feels like all the five of us are linked yeah. so tightly it sort of feels like we're all the same person hmm. which you know it's like when when you're off stage and two of the others are on stage it sort of feels like you're still on stage huh. it's this weird thing where it's just like constantly trading on and off like passing the energy around and I've never felt like that to this extent with a play where it just it feels like we're sort of all coming from the same energy yeah it's really incredible and it sounds a little bit like new age hokey but it's just so it, that's but it the seems best like way it seems like everyone it. was on that page too yeah. right like even the scenic painter yeah even right? Randy like, oh yeah. Randy was like her what she painted influenced our rehearsals yeah. so much we she was painting in the lobby throughout our rehearsals so we would come down at, at, at dinner break and she would have like put another layer of paint on and it would be a totally different painting from what it was that morning and it was it was so incredible we were just like we would be coming into rehearsals with these images in our mind and then as the painting formed it really and, uh, and like it, the painting is forming at the same time that the play is forming, yeah. right? Like that the world of the play is yeah. forming. That's really lovely that there are these concurrent things yeah. being built and uh, the energy seems... Yeah, it seems, was so incredible. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting about this. Um, thank you. It's really exciting to, I don't know, to talk to a good friend about yeah. a show and... Uh, and a person like a, a playwright that we that we both studied yeah. in university it's incredible i never i never in a million years dreamed that i would be working with judith thompson and yeah. i was i i certainly didn't imagine that it would be this you know wonderful i mean of course yeah. i imagined that it would be wonderful but it's just it's been it's been so so collaborative like I said and 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 such a, a communal effort and you know Judith has she she even said once that she she it's as if she sort of channeled this play or channeled these voices and she I think she sort of describes it in the foreword of one of her publications as well that she it's she just sort of felt like it was happening to her as she was writing it there wasn't necessarily the intention to write it in a certain way or what you know and I think because she was is, is such a perceptive person and um, also was was living in this world to such an extent that the characters just sort of needed to sort of say something through her um, and I think because of that she's she has such respect for the for the for the people that these are you know these characters are based on and she also really um, is is so respectful of you know other people's 
opinions and perceptions. She's just she's just such an open person, and she's you know one of the most one of the most warm and nurturing directors that I've ever worked with. Really, it's amazing. Um, yeah. So it's it was it was such a positive experience. Um, and we're having a great time doing it, you know. Like we yeah. just we were really excited to come in every day and do the show, even though it's such and it's a, a really heavy show. It's such too, a heavy right? show. Um, but there's such a there's such a a sense of humor to it, right? Isn't there? There's, yeah. there's, there's quite a strong. It's sense of humor, very funny it? in a way. Yeah, I mean the and characters are very sarcastic. Yeah, they're really quick witted. They're really ballsy and kind of like they're snarky, um, and they're just they 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 have a great time, you know battling it out with each other you know and um they're all they're very smart like they're very even yeah. though you know I, they maybe they never went to college or never finished high school but they're yeah they're they're all very smart and very quick and they and you just feel for them so much cool. yeah. well that's that's obviously why it's still being produced yeah you know it's incredible um, it's exciting that uh it seems exciting what Factory did with the Naked Season, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, this this idea of revisiting these these shows that you know we call a Canadian canon in a way, yeah, and, and seeing how they work still today, or if they work still today, or just exploring that, you know, and like it seems like there is no matter what approach was taken to some of the shows, it seems like it was rather defined, you know, like a really strong sort of vision in that way. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, it wasn't it was it was amazing because we in a way we came in with not necessarily knowing how the form would emerge, but we had such a strong starting point with Judith's concept uh, and and with and with the painting that Randy was envisioning. So yeah. In a way, we were working from such an, uh, an an inspiring launching point that we had a ton to work with, even though there was not a single set piece on the stage. So the world felt very real. Yeah, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it uh, allowed you and your group of, of actors to, I don't know, put a voice in there, like to, to have some sort of um, bravery when, when approaching it. Because I know that it could probably be extremely daunting to approach a play that you studied in university or you know yeah absolutely and a play that like you know they do in every scene study yeah, exactly, class right? in every canadian <laughs> college so absolutely it's like in every acting you know, studio the, uh, the to be or not to be speech you know absolutely you to be able to find yourself in it or, or some sort of new relevance yeah well, I'm not going to keep you too long because I know you got a show to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you so much for coming out and chatting. And uh, I can't wait to see it. Thank you. That was Claire Armstrong and episode three of Field Notes. If you haven't seen Claire act yet, um, she's absolutely phenomenal. And so is the entire cast of The Crack Walker. It's still playing until April 10th at Factory Theatre. It's the last play in their phenomenal Naked season. Um, I would definitely recommend going to see it because... Even if you don't agree with some of the representation in it, or um, the play itself, or any elements of it, which is great to do, right? Don't always just agree blindly with the things that we see, but even if you don't, you kind of have to admire what they're doing with like a very clear concept uh, with each of their plays this season at Factory Theatre. So go check it out. One week left. Um, it will definitely give you something to think about, possibly something to cry about. Um, but once again, this is Field Notes. 
my name is Andrew Gabry. I produce this through my company called A Field of Crowns, and I hope to have more of these, as many as I can get out. Um, if you guys like it, please spread it around, and hopefully I will be back again this month or next month uh, with another wonderful conversation. I don't know what it's going to be about, though. Who knows? <laughs> I'm excited to find out. Bye.